Hey mama, every journey into motherhood is different and it is marked by joys and accomplishments as well as challenges and hardships. In today's podcast, we get to hear Eloise's journey to motherhood after 15 years of infertility and how she found hope in the midst of some of the dark parts of her journey and her birth story. If you need encouragement in your pregnancy journey or in preparation for your birth experience and learning to be an advocate for yourself or trying to figure out how to be an encouragement to a woman struggling with infertility, Eloise's story is going to give you so much encouragement and empowerment as you walk your own journey. Every mama deserves to be informed through her pregnancy and birth, which is why I'm creating an online course that's going to be released so soon for mamas who are trying to have a happier, healthier, and easier birth. Go to the Built to Birth website linked in the show notes and subscribe to the weekly email so that you can stay up to date on all things Built to Birth, including when that course is released. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the Built to Birth podcast, rate it, and then write a review so that whatever platform you're on to listen to podcasts knows to share this with more mamas who need to hear these uplifting stories. So without further ado, let's hear Eloise's birth story. Hi, Eloise. It's good Hi. to see you. You too. I'm so excited Thank to talk you. to you. I'm so thankful that you're willing to chat with us. I'm so excited oh, to yeah. hear your birth story. How's your little one? He's good. He had his two-week um, pediatrician appointment this morning, and okay. he's doing really good. He had lost um, over the 10% of, of his weight uh, Okay. really cool, over like you know, really quickly over like four days, but now he's mm. like skyrocketing up to little chunk monster. So we're good. We're really happy. So, but that's because he's like on demand feeding and, and so, yeah, yeah he's doing which good. is demanding for you, but he loves that. <laughs> yeah, it is demanding. And so we're trying to figure out like how to, how to have him stop using me as a pacifier and actually feed <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. we're just trying to introduce a pacifier to him today and he's not really having it. So <laughs> he's like, I know I'd... the difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, but it's, yeah. it's going good. You know, we're not getting a ton of sleep, but, um, you know, yeah, it's first time parenting, I guess. Everything's nothing's off limits. Everything's new. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's all just a learning curve and I, you just keep learning something new every day and, it's exhausting to learn that much in such a short amount of time, but then it just gets better every single day. I promise you're going to look back and you're going to be like, how did I manage that? Yeah. Like, it makes it, you new parents are superheroes. I don't know how you guys do it, but you guys are amazing. Uh, well, you've done it too. So I, I know. Yeah. And I look back on myself. I'm like, I don't know how I did it. Well, I think that about my labor because like the day, mm. a couple days before my labor, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to go through with this. And then during mm. my labor, I was just like, can I back out? What can we do? Like, yeah. you know, how do I make this over and end right away? Like what's mm. the fastest way to make it? everything stopped and yeah. now I'm kind of like oh I could do that again it wasn't that yeah. bad isn't that <laughs> funny how like it just changes and thank goodness for that otherwise humans would probably be extinct right <laughs> exactly exactly I keep telling myself you know women go back and do this over and over again mm-hmm. so um yeah. you know it, it there's that amnesia apparently exactly so. <laughs> exactly yep it's a real thing I yeah, love it yeah. well before we hop into your birth story why don't you share a little bit about yourself and your family and then your journey to pregnancy if you don't mind sharing that 
Yeah, not a problem. I mean, I don't know exactly how much you want to know, but um, I mean, my husband and I have been married since 2014. Um, okay. And I was, you know, uh, to be perfectly honest, I was previously married for a really long time. And, you know, the infertility struggle was a huge rift between the two of mm-hmm. us. And that contributed a lot to, you know, um, a relationship ending, which was really mm-hmm. hard and really sad. It wasn't just one yeah. thing, of course, but, you know, infertility and the desire for children can be, mm-hmm. you know, um, if, if you're not both on board, it can be a real wedge. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was, and so luckily when, you know, I met my current husband, Tim, um, you know, we were really upfront together, you know, I think even on our first date, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, about my personal struggles and, and mm-hmm. my desires. And he, uh, you know, we kind of said, if, if, if we last, <laughs> if we get past a first, second, third date, whatever, you know, then, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll do what it takes to, to build a family and whether that happened mm-hmm. through, um, natural or fertility treatments or mm. foster care or adoption, you know, we were going to grow a family at some point. And, mm. um, but we, but we committed to each other that we would always keep each other first. Mm. Um, and we wouldn't let that really hard journey, um, get the better of us because mm. we just didn't want that to be, um, you know, a wedge between us as far as our relationship. So, and, yeah. you know, we've definitely kept that at the core of our, our relationship. So, cause it's mm-hmm. infertility is definitely a taxing journey. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been dealing with infertility since I was pretty much a sophomore in high school. I had, mm-hmm. um, basically the, what my infertility stemmed from was, um, I had a pelvic in- infection, um, due to, um, using tampons for too long. <laughs> so oh, wow. yeah. uh, that toxic shock syndrome that's on the back mm-hmm. of every bo- tampon box, um, basically if I had let things go on a little further, that's where I would have ended up. Um, but oh. ended up in the hospital and had exploratory surgery and, you know, figured out what it was. Um, but then of course, every time you have surgery on your abdomen, it kind of results mm. in scar tissue and you have increased your risk for endometriosis. And so, um, I struggled with endometriosis from a teen on mm. until, you know, just recently. And so, um, I tried everything under the sun, um, from like a natural hippie kind of perspective, cause I like to be as natural as possible. And yeah. you know, while a lot of those things I think, um, were comforting to know that I was trying to take control over something and trying to do something and, and move forward. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there was a delivery here at our house just now. Um, so, um, and, um, you know, those were comforting. They just didn't actually work for me. Um, mm, and the reason yeah. would be that, you know, endometriosis can be a little bigger than what natural methods can, can fix. I also mm. found um, that I ended up having a um, bicornet uterus. So okay. that's basically where you have additional growth and those can happen in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And so we discovered all of that through infertility treatments and, mm. Long, this long story short, I've had, I think, four laparoscopies um, done oh. to try things. I've yeah. had, um, I had half of my, one of my tubes removed, and then I finally had the rest of it removed later. 
Um, and then we finally just, uh, we're here in Austin, Texas, and we got in with a really, really wonderful fertility clinic. It's called the mm. Texas Fertility Center. Um, and they're just so amazing and supportive um, and did all the right things. And we went through a first round of um, egg retrieval. And, mm. you know, we ended up with two em- embryos and that were healthy and normal. And that was it. Um, we didn't have mm. much else. <laughs> and so, mm. uh, and we did two transfers and they did not work, um, which mm. was really hard. Um, and then we did another um, retrieval and ended up with five embryos. And okay. the first transfer out of that, um, and that, we did that after discovering that I had the bicornate uter- uh, uterus, okay. which we then had to, um, we went in and removed the additional um, I guess it's, um, I guess it's just additional, um, tissue that's in your yeah. uterus. That's mm-hmm. just dividing your, your uterus. And so yeah. it prevents implantation, mm-hmm. um, which kind of meant that over the years I'd been experiencing very early term losses, probably about mm-hmm. six or seven. And it, yeah. they all kind of happened because, you know, I would, I would think maybe I'm pregnant, but then I'd lose the the pregnancy because they just can't get nourishment if they're implanting yeah. in that type of a uterus. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. And then once we had that, um, did that procedure, um, we did a transfer and here we are, mm-hmm. uh, 43 weeks later with our, mm-hmm. our little guy Barrett, um, which has been great. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, along the way, you know, we committed to, if we were going to do, uh, the fertility treatments, we, we paused a long time to think about whether or not to do that, whether mm-hmm. or not that's how we wanted to spend our time, spend our money, um, mm-hmm. because it's not cheap. It's not yeah. easy. Um, yeah. it takes a huge toll on a lot of different things in your life, uh, your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we finally decided when we decided to commit to it, we decided to save up for it. And that was a big part of being able to go into that process confidently. Mm, um, yeah. and, you know, thanks to my husband, we were able to, to do that in his planning and mm. he's a great saver. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was how we were able to do that without, with minimal stress, being mm. able to say, you know, we're going to do two shots at this. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's what it took, amazingly enough. And yeah. you know, we had we had the cash to do it. And we were just committed to creating that plan and sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what that kind of helped you commit to to doing IVF? Getting like on board, what kind of helped you guys say, yeah, like let's give this a shot? I think being really well researched. I mean, my husband Mm. is very analytical, so he was able to look at all the data and look at our ages. You know, we went through the preliminary testing and, you know, that seemed very easy to kind of low hanging fruit to go through the testing. Um, Insurance covered a lot of the upfront testing, which was really great. Not everybody has that um, luxury and, you know, we were very fortunate. So, um, mm. um, but, you know, being able to get all of our results and, and see from there how we could go forward and what our outcome could be uh, was helpful. And then um, just knowing people who had actually come through the same fertility clinic. And it was just one of those, you know, divine kind of experiences where as we were thinking about going through the fertility treatments, 
we suddenly started meeting people randomly, Mm -hmm. new friends, people at the grocery store. You know, the lady who gave me my flu shot told me that her twin children had been um, conceived by the same doctor Mm. that I was seeing at the fertility clinic 20 years ago, you know? So it was kind of, it was, um, just, I mean, a small town, I guess, but, um, you know, just learning from other people, um, Mm. and hearing their experiences kind of helped us be, you know, um, ready and willing to commit to it and just have the confidence to go forward. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. And I think, you know, fertility or infertility is like a bigger a bigger challenge that women and partners are going through than we know of you know I feel like it's hush hush let's not talk about it so much until you know you're experiencing it and then you feel like it can feel very isolating um was that your experience did it feel um, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I definitely had, I mean, having dealt with it for so long and having it be like, you know, literally be part of an ending of a previous relationship was, you yeah. know, really taxing and hard. And as you start, you know, getting older, I mean, I, mm. you know, I just turned, I turned 41, uh, two hours before my son was born. So his wow. birthday is the day oh after mine. Gosh. And so, you oh know, as we goodness. started our infertility journey, you know, I was at the end of being 39. Mm. And so to be dealing with this for so long and then to be coming into it at such a, you know, a little older, it's like you've been carrying mm. this weight forever and yeah. seeing all of your friends, everybody, you know, ending or finishing up their families, you know, mm. now and sending mm. their kids off to, you know, starting high school and whatnot. It was, it was yeah. really hard. I definitely had my dark days and, mm. you know, the only way I got through it was I finally, during one of my really, really low points after we lost, we had a, we lost a, a baby at about, I think we were eight weeks or seven weeks, mm. which was pretty, that was the furthest I'd ever yeah. been. Um, and that was really hard. And, you yeah. know, the emotional swing was just really rough. And I thought this is our last chance. Cause I was maybe, I think I was 38 at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're thinking your clock is ticking and the, everything's mm-hmm. against you. And I found a support group, an infertility support group that's faith-based, um, called mm-hmm. Sarah's laughter, um, which just was huge. And I just found their online support through Facebook. And then I found mm-hmm. that they had a local chapter here in Austin and it took so much courage. Like <laughs> I, I chickened out so many times going, um, mm. because I just didn't want to go. I was too ashamed, um, mm. because there was nobody to talk to it seemed. And I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't know what to think by going to a, a support group. Like you're admitting yeah. that you're a failure in some way, mm. um, that your body is broken. And mm. uh, so that was just really hard. But finally I just went one night and it was like, the most amazing experience to be there with women who have been fighting infertility and not just infertility, but infant loss, um, because they do a lot of different types of support. Um, and it was one of the most welcoming groups and, um, it completely, I, I, I always say it really genuinely did save my life because I just don't know. Um, I was in such a dark place at that point. Um, but meeting these women who some of them are still struggling with infertility. Some of them are still struggling with the loss of an infant from 25 Mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and some of them are like me and have had their miracle babies. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
but it was just such an amazing support group that I'm still part of. Um, mm. And I don't see myself never being a part of them because yeah. um, the women are just, um, they're so supportive and, and um, gracious uh, to each other. And so, um, you know, for anybody who is going through infertility, the, just finding any kind of support is just so important. Mm. And even if there's not yeah. like a local T, you know, group, getting an mm-hmm. online group is amazing because the, you know, we chat back and forth through, mm-hmm. you know, different chat um, apps and it's just amazing yeah. that they're always there to, you know, offer words of encouragement or let you mm-hmm. vent. And so that yeah. was huge for me. Um, yeah. And to then mm-hmm. be able to return that to others once you kind of come out the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, that's been very ther- therapeutic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so empowering to hear as well is that, you know, you don't have to stay in that dark spot. Like there are resources that can help pull you out of that. Um, And community is such a big part of that and finding uh, women who are dealing with the same thing or couples who are dealing with the same thing and can offer a different perspective. And I think that's so powerful because infant loss and infertility is such, it does feel so shameful. It does feel so, um, like you want to keep it down and dark and it feels Mm -hmm. isolating. And so when you find women who are struggling with the same thing, but can be encouraging, like the words that you could never say to yourself, but someone else is saying that and saying, you know, like, you're going to get through this. Like, let's, let's look for the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, um, it can be so, refreshing and that, you know, life-saving device that you just need to climb on and hold on to. And so I think that's so powerful you sharing that with us and thank you, um, for being vulnerable and sharing that. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, I don't think I ever could have, it was just Mm. one of those, you know, people would come and say, Oh, when are you having children? And you're just like, you know, we're just still kind of, I don't know. We're still thinking about it. But all the while, you know, you when someone asks that question, you're dying inside. And, yeah. and now, mm. it's, you know, I feel much more empowered. I feel more like an advocate for mm. for women who are going through that. And I've made so many amazing friends um, yeah. through that, I guess, vulnerability and honesty. Mm. And and it's just been helpful for me to just be honest mm. with myself, um, mm. you know, and just say, you know, there is something that about my body that's not quite working and it may never work. Um, luckily Mm. we were able to find a way to make it work, Mm. but, um, you know, there were points where even at my healthiest, you know, when I was, you know, finally on the other side of things and not in a dark place, I had to tell myself this may not work and I have to be okay with that. And, and that was really hard to tell myself, but going, you know, through the support group helped Mm. me, you know, say those words to myself at some point. And that was, that was huge. That was like turning a huge corner for me. Yeah. For moms or people who are listening to, you know, your story who are not dealing with infertility, what is something that they can do or say to women or couples who are dealing with that, that could be an encouragement or something they could do that would show that they are supporting them through this, this season? Gosh, that's so hard. I mean, because, it, you know, I've had so many people, even moms who have, you know, sort of struggled with infertility a little bit, or maybe it took them a little while longer um, mm-hmm. to get pregnant, or, you know, maybe they had 
secondary infertility with like second or third child. And, mm. you know, sometimes people say things that are just so hurtful and they don't mean it. Um, yeah. But, you know, if somebody has actually told you, you know, that they are struggling, I think just hearing them out and mm. knowing what they're saying, know what they, knowing what they're maybe feeling and that there's a mm. huge longing that sometimes words just cannot fix a longing, um, no matter how supportive you're trying to be and just letting somebody vent and understanding that, um, I think maybe the biggest thing would be understanding that if someone's struggling with infertility, sometimes being around other moms or being around children or being at a grocery store Mm -hmm. and seeing a baby is just, it's, it's like a knife to the, you know, to your heart and, and giving Mm -hmm. somebody, the grace and space to feel that way, I think is really important and continuing to love them um, without, you know, trying to lecture them or, you know, trying, I mean, it's always great to be sunny and positive and great, you know, really positive words, but sometimes they just don't, sometimes they just don't help, you know, because you're just so much in your own grief. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think for myself, um, I had to really tell myself that, when other people are trying to help me, I can't take it personally. And I have to understand Mm. that those people are trying to help me, that they don't understand Mm. how I'm feeling. Um, And so I think my, my best advice is more so for, for the person who's struggling sometimes is you just have to remember that other people are trying to help you and that you only have to, you're only in control of what, how you react and not how people are treating you sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think just giving, you know, women who are struggling that space to feel yeah. how they feel and yeah. to not judge them for maybe not wanting to come to a baby shower. Um, yeah. I've turned down a lot of baby showers over the years that I just I just couldn't be there, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, some some of my friends understood and some of them didn't. Um, yeah. And that's OK, because yeah. we all have a different story and we're all walking a different journey. But, but I think just giving the, giving those women the space to feel how they feel um, and mm. just being an ear to them is really yeah. important. Can't fix their yeah. problem. Mm. Yeah, Sometimes meeting them where they're at and exactly. letting them feel their feelings and grapple with their situation and just being a listening ear, you would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can try to offer advice, but telling somebody, well, you can always adopt or you can always do this yeah. or, you know, um, it's, those sometimes they're not very helpful um, mm. because that's not what somebody wants. Yeah. You know, they, they want that baby inside of them um, mm. and maybe they end up adopting. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Not, that's not where they are. And yeah. so sometimes it's just, it's, it's salt in the wound sometimes. Mm. So yeah. sometimes listening and saying nothing is probably the best thing. Mm. Well, thank you. And I think that's going to be, helpful for moms who are dealing with infertility to, you know, know or be reminded that most people have like the best intentions. It just comes across the wrong way. And, um, and then so helpful for other moms to know how to support their friends or family members or other moms, um, you know, or women who are trying themselves and having, you know, that challenge. So again, thank you so much for sharing that portion of your story and that journey that brought you up to your pregnancy. So 
when you found out you were pregnant, what were kind of your emotions and reactions that in that moment, (laughs) as well as like the weeks and months surrounding that experience as well? Yeah. Oh gosh. It's, you know, it's mixed for sure because Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a pretty emotional person. I'm very idealistic. I, (laughs) you know, I, and then my, there's my husband who's super analytical. He's less emotional. And so, um, you know, when we found, I mean, obviously when you do a transfer, a a frozen embryo transfer, you know, Mm -hmm. you go in, you know exactly what's going to happen. And then you get your Mm -hmm. phone call in 10 days letting you know, you know, you do your blood test in 10 days and letting you know whether or not you're pregnant. So, um, and in the meantime, you're just supposed to live this normal life. Don't take a urine test. Don't do anything. Yeah. You know, don't don't try to find out if you're pregnant or not, because it'll give you a false positive or whatever it is. And so you're just trying to kind of live your life normal without getting stressed out, without getting your Mm -hmm. hopes up, especially after having two failed embryo transfers. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, and all of, all the while I'm thinking I see, you know, dollar signs just trickling out of our bank account, you know, yeah. mm. and everything. And so you're just trying to kind of live life and you just have to put that, you know, for those, for me, for those 10 days, I just had to put this idea of being pregnant just like out of my mind and yeah. just see that blood test appointment as, yeah. you know, like picking up the dry cleaning or something, um, yeah. just something yeah. I had to do That's on so challenging. that day. <laughs> Oh, and then man. of course you get the, the, you get that phone call and the phone call for us, it always comes really late at night. Like it came, I think at like 1030 hmm. and we'd already gone through two of those where you picked up the phone and you could, you know, from the nurse's voice on the other end, that it's not good yeah. news just because of the way yeah. they asked for you. And this time it was different. And it was like, hmm. I was already smiling when she was like, you know, is Eloise there? And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is not how they've ever called me before. Yeah. Um, and my, I had the phone on speaker so that my husband could hear. And, and so I, you know, we hung up, we found out we're pregnant and, you know, we set up the next appointment and kind of talk about what the next steps are. Um, and then we hang up and I look at my husband and I'm like ready to cry. And I'm like, yeah. I can't believe it. And he's like, yeah, I'll believe it when he's here. And I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> you know, he's thinking about like all the statistics and the data mm-hmm. that, you know, um, you know, we could still lose the baby at any yeah, point. All the yeah. what ifs. All the what ifs. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's where, you know, me being a, you know, total polar opposite of him being on like the idealistic side of things. And he's like analytical seeing all the, mm-hmm. like the true facts, like we had to, yeah at the next, you know, 41 weeks meeting each other in the middle somehow. Yeah. Yeah. um, Wow. But no, it was very exciting. And, you know, then of course you Mm -hmm. have to get to the 12 week mark, um, you know, and, and then, you know, we got to that mark and everything seemed great. Um, you know, we were happy and we were making, made our announcements. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know that I mentioned this to you previously in our conversations, but, um, you know, at 20, six weeks, I'm sorry, no, 24 weeks. Um, I went in, no, I'm sorry. Whenever you went, go in for your bio, your first, um, bio like scan. The, yeah. Like the anatomy scan. Anatomy scan. I think that was at 22 mm-hmm. weeks. Um, okay. Everything was going great. My pregnancy was perfect. I was, I loved being pregnant. I was happy. I didn't have a ton of morning sickness. Like mm-hmm. I, being pregnant to me was just this amazing experience all the way up until Mm. the very end. I loved Mm. being pregnant. Um, I mean, it's hard for sure. It's not easy, 
but I didn't have like all of these, like, Oh, I hate being pregnant. Like I can't mm-hmm. wait to not be pregnant anymore. Um, but at 22 weeks at the anatomy scan, we discovered that I had a short cervix and that mm-hmm. I was already dilated to two centimeters. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, um, we had to go in for an emergency cerclage, um, at wow. 20 weeks and I was in the hospital for a whole week. And basically the doctor said, you know, the perinatal specialist said, you know, you need to be in the hospital for two days on antibiotics. And hopefully in two days we can do the cerclage because hopefully in Mm. two days you haven't delivered your baby. And and it was kind of like, oh my gosh, well, what happens if I try to, if I go into labor or, you know, I, I continue to dilate. And he said, you lose the baby because at 22 weeks, we don't do any life-saving measures. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, you know, and you know, I'm trying so hard to like, you know, just be upbeat and positive and just like, okay, now everything's going to be fine. You know, cause that's the idealistic part of me. Just like, we're just going to sweep all of that under the rug. We're going to just be hang out here in the hospital. In the meantime, my husband's like, you know, data mining and just freaking out, you know, and, Mm. um, and uh, looking at all the statistics. And um, so, you know, that was really hard. And that happened over Christmas. Um, So that's how we spent our Christmas. Um, So that, Mm. you know, that was like the big scary part of our, of our pregnancy. So up until then though, it had been just really great. And, you know, just felt like I was riding this total high of Mm. I'm finally getting what I want, you know, Mm. and it's going well. And then all of a sudden it's going well and, you know, trying to navigate that process. And then of course, you know, the cerclage was successful. And then they say, well, just so you know, pack a hospital bag because you could be going into labor anytime between now and, you know, term. Mm -hmm. And so it became this, like every week was a new milestone, you know, so we 23 weeks. Okay. 23 weeks. Great. 24 Mm -hmm. weeks. Great. And it was like, I think at 28 weeks is when they will actually perform life-saving measures. So we had mm. this like six weeks of uh, like, we could still lose this baby, you know, yeah. even though everything's fine, seemingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then fast forward, I go six days past my due date. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. uh, it was just so uh, many twists and turns. <laughs> it has been a lot of twists and turns. My husband keeps telling me that anything that could go wrong has gone wrong, but we've managed mm. to somehow come through it the other side. Um, really positively. So, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that was, yeah, that definitely (laughs) does. So, you know, going through your pregnancy, you know, with this idealistic perspective, how did you think about your birth experience at the end of these nine months? So, yeah, that's a great question because, you know, um, you know, when I went into my first OBGYN appointment with my, with my OB, she's like, well, um, you know, what are your goals for your birth? What are your goals mm. for your pregnancy? And I thought, oh, okay, this is great. You know, my goals are, I want to have, um, an unassisted, you know, or medical, no intervention mm-hmm. birth. Um, ideally I wanted to have a home birth. That was something mm. I really wanted, but because of all of our, because I was high risk and, Mm-hmm. you know, um, advanced maternal age, as they love to call mm-hmm. it. Uh, we decided to do a home or uh, a hospital birth. Yeah. Um, 
and we were going to have a doula who was actually a midwife and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or someone who did like monotrice services so that we could labor at mm-hmm. home as long as possible. Um, and then I wanted no epidural. I wanted no pain intervention. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was kind of, that's how I visualized our birth, um, laboring mm-hmm. at home as long as possible. Um, and no C-section. I didn't want all these interventions. Um, mm. And I didn't, I wanted to do it completely naturally. I, I guess yeah. when you've gone through infertility and you've had surgery after surgery and you've gone mm. through all the medications and the hormonal changes and just all of that medical junk mm. <laughs> kind of being done to you all the time, I wanted yeah. to do this one thing on my own. You know, I just, yeah. I wanted my body to do the one thing that I felt like it's supposed to do. It's, mm. it should know how to do this. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, my body at 22 weeks was like, yeah, I know how to do this just a little too yeah. early. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, then it was, um, 39 weeks came along and my doctor's telling me, well, because of your age, we need to induce mm. early. And I mm. thought, well, that's not what I want. Um, yeah. and so, you know, I pushed it off and mm. she was not very happy with me. <laughs> yeah. And I How did you make that decision to push it off? Was it like, were you, you know, with your analytical husband who's, you know, probably hearing what the doctor is saying as well? How did you guys make that decision so, and yeah, make that, it confidently? Yeah, that was really hard, honestly. And so at this point, you know, I have my OB um, who's going to to hopefully deliver at the hospital. I had my perinatal specialist who had done the cerclage and I was seeing both of them every week mm. amidst COVID-19, um, yeah. which oh was, goodness. which has been an, an just an additional Another wrinkle. Added. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course my husband being the analytical person, he had me quarantined here at home. Um, basically end of February. Um, wow. Basically, you're not going to work anymore, and I was like, "Fine, everything's great. This is nobody's nobody's dying. Nobody, you know, this is there's nothing wrong." And of course, yeah, it's very serious. Um, Mm. so um, I'm very grateful to his um, to his analytical mind, yeah, uh, because he definitely safeguards us as a family. Mm. Um, but you know, basically, we had my OB, the perinatal specialist. And I was seeing the midwife um, every so often just for, um, well, one, she just offered amazing emotional support to me, mm-hmm. which was which was great because nobody else was giving that to me. Yeah, um, wow. You know, my OB I was seeing for five minutes every week and my prenatal yeah. I was seeing for maybe 10 or 15. Um, mm-hmm. But what I think gave us the confidence was that the perinatal specialist um, had actually delivered all of his children at home with the midwife that we were seeing. Um, and he was the one who basically said, um, I, he said, I'm comfortable with you delivering, um, no later than 41 weeks and six days. And so, you know, even though my OB, uh, said she wanted me delivering by, um, 40, 30, basically 39 and seven or 40 weeks. Yeah. um, Yeah. He basically said, you know, you can go a little bit longer. And that was, I think, helpful for my husband to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did try to kind of help induce naturally with through the midwife's mm-hmm. kind of special little um, tactics, I guess mm-hmm. you could call them. Um, 
which I don't know if they helped or not. They certainly didn't help in the 48 hours that she thought they would work. But um, we basically, um, we were supposed to schedule, we were supposed to go in on a Tuesday for the induction. And I ended up pushing until Thursday. Um, And then that morning I woke up at 3 a.m., 3.30 maybe. And I was like, gosh, my stomach really feels weird. And something's just, I mean, I've been feeling Braxton Hicks, you know, and they were manageable. Um, but this was like, this feels really strange. And yeah. I kind of went into some pre-labor between 3.30 and about 7 a.m. And then everything just stopped. Hmm. And I thought, that's weird. Well, I guess it's good that we're going in for a du- induction tonight. Um, we were supposed mm-hmm. to get in there at 8 o'clock at night. Um, and then by about 2 o'clock, my contractions started again. And we started tracking them and, um, you know, just, I went into labor. Mm. (laughs) I don't know how, but I did it. (laughs) My body was like, okay, what's the last, I guess it's very much me. I'm kind of a procrastinator. It's like, okay, well, what's the deadline? (laughs) How long is it going to take to do something? And okay, I'll wait 15 minutes before something is due to do it. (laughs) Kind of like writing that. So your body was falling suit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like college all over again, writing your term paper the night before it's due. <laughs> yeah. um, that's what my body was trying to do with labor. It knew that it had a deadline of eight o'clock and mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, we so were, did you, were you able to labor at home then? Yeah, I, it was, you know, I was having contractions kind of throughout the day, but then basically around two o'clock, I think until, um, until seven o'clock, um, you know, I would say around five o'clock is when the contractions really started to kick up where like mm. I had to really practice my breathing mm. and I didn't have like the, a big medicine ball to sit on or a birthing mm-hmm. ball, but I had to kind of find a way to sit in a similar way to mm. um, kind of, you know, engage, kind of get my pelvis seated properly and just yeah. really breathe through things. And it's really funny is that we we've been playing a board game um, a couple nights a week with friends over zoom and we were playing a board game up until seven fifteen that night. Wow. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I was just like laboring off side to the camera, off the camera <laughs> by myself while my husband and, I, and the rest of the team were kind of playing a board game and I'd chime in every <laughs> so often, but like, yeah. I, it just, you know, it just didn't seem like it was that big a deal, but then apparently mm. I'd already been in active labor for about an hour by the time we got mm. to the hospital and I just didn't really know it. So, yeah, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to the hospital and you're about like seven centimeters then? I was five and a half centimeters. Five and a half. Okay. Yeah. But by, and then we started pushing at, I think, 1130. So I got to the okay. hospital. When they checked me, it was um, 830 at night. Wow. 1130 is when so we when started three pushing. Three hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, but that was fast. It was really fast. And I stayed at nine and a half centimeters for a long time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, finally, we were able to get that last little half centimeter out of the way. And then mm-hmm. then he was here. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Did you end up getting that natural birth that you had envisioned or were you, did you decide to get an epidural along the way or what kind of happened in between? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I asked, you know, what's the, what's the drop dead deadline for an epidural? Cause I mean, I wanted to stay mm-hmm. open to it. And um, yeah. they said, well, when you can no longer sit still to have an epidural put in your place, put in your back. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh gosh, I feel like I'm way beyond that. Like my, yeah. I had to, I was already when at home, like at five o'clock when I was having contractions, I was in the kind of in the space where I need to move through my contractions. I can't mm-hmm. just sit still. I needed to yeah. s- either stand or be on the ball. I was able to be on the mm-hmm. ball at the hospital for about 45 minutes before they wanted mm-hmm. me in bed. Um, so that was really great. But at the same time, I wish I could have just stayed on the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I wish I could have just been walking through my contractions because mm-hmm. being in bed was the worst. Um, yeah. So you know, basically when I got to the hospital, it was pretty much too late to have an epidural. Um, and I knew that in my mind. And then I did Mm. say, you know, I would like to try the nitrous oxide, um, because I'd been reading that while it doesn't really eliminate your pain, it actually kind of helps you not really care about it. (laughs) I guess maybe you're, maybe you're high. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But they basically said because of COVID-19 that they weren't Mm -hmm. allowing anybody to use the nitrous oxide because of the way you breathe it out, I guess. Um, Yeah. It was too too much of a danger. So, Mm. yeah, no intervention, um, no pain meds. You know, it it was, I guess, what I wanted. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, What did you do besides movement? Was there anything that you did that, like, really – helped you manage those sensations when the contractions came on? Yeah. So I think there were a couple things because once again, I, they would not let me stand or walk around the room um, because when you're, you know, you're tied to the contraction machine, you're Monitor, tied to yeah. your, all these monitors. I had an IV for electrolytes. Um, mm. You know, they wanted me tethered to something all the time. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I didn't have to be, but um, you know, I knew that having a possible birth, hospital birth, I'd have to give up on some things. Hmm. Um, and so I, you know, of course I complied. Oh, and by the way, I had to wear a mask the entire time. It was miserable. That was the worst. Hmm. I mean, wearing the mask and trying to breathe through the mask and talk and hear, um, and just not feel like I was suffocating was, that was worse than the contractions, honestly. Um, Hmm. So, and everybody had to wear masks and that's fine, I guess, but I didn't know that that was going to be the case. Um, Mm. So, um, so I think because they wouldn't let me walk around and then they took me off the ball pretty quickly, I had to be in bed the majority of the time and they had me moving positions because of baby's heart rate. Um, Mm. And, you know, it was really great because the nurses knew that I wanted to have a natural birth and I think they did Mm -hmm. everything they possibly could to Mm. help me do that. Um, and they helped me with positioning so that, you know, baby's heart rate would come back up. Um, Mm. you know, they gave me oxygen quite often. Mm. Um, I think just, and those things were just really helpful that I think just prevented potentially escalating to a C-section. Um, cause the baby's heart rate did drop a lot, um, Mm. during the six hours that we, from the time we got to the hospital to the time we actually delivered him was six hours, um, Mm. or maybe five and a half. So, um, but I think while I was in bed all that time, practicing my breathing um, was huge. I mean, mm. and um, and then just constantly telling myself, having the mantra. And I thought a lot about what my mantras would be 
Um, I didn't get to post anything, you know, up in the room and I didn't Mm -hmm. make like a space for myself, you know, with dim lights or a candle or anything like that. We Mm -hmm. didn't have that. There was no time to do anything like that. But my mantra was it's 90 seconds. I can do anything for Mm -hmm. 90 seconds. And my contractions Mm -hmm. were lasting anywhere from 45 seconds to 90 seconds at the max. Mm -hmm. And I just had to keep telling myself I can do anything for 90 seconds. And it's true. And, and then someone at one point said, it's just one day of your life. Giving Mm -hmm. birth is one day of your life. You can, you can endure anything for a day. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of what I had to continually tell myself. Um, Mm. and then just really focusing on that breathing and just Mm. being able to recognize when a contraction was starting so that I could take in my really big deep breath and then let it out through the peak of that and then just kind of come back to like a more neutral state on the other side of a contraction Mm -hmm. was really huge and you know I think I learned that through you know your videos um Mm. so that was um really helpful um Mm. you know I think I kept telling myself, oh, this is like when in yoga, when you're doing yoga breathing um, yeah. or certain kinds of yoga breathing, it's like, okay, just breathe through the pain, you know? And so yeah. that was really, um, I think that's what the only thing that got me through it was mm. the breathing and the mantras. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that those are such like easy things to access. You know, you didn't have to put lights up in your room. You didn't have to play music even, or, you know, have whatever that environment that you had, you know, it was just all inside of yourself. It was just breathing. It was mantras. It was, and then, and then having people encourage you with their words as well. And I think that it's nice to know that, you know, there's, it doesn't have to be all these external things. It can really be you just finding that calm, Mm -hmm. that calm, like energy inside yourself and really anchoring onto that and knowing, yes, like it is just 90 seconds. If I can get through 90 seconds and I get a rest, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go in the future. I'm just going to be right now, you know? Yeah. And that's so huge. My my husband was really helpful with that too. Um, You know, cause he would, there were times where my breathing would get a little kind of out of control and my husband would just kind of be like, okay, come on, remember, remember your breathing, take a deep Mm. breath. Um, and he even told me after the fact that a couple times I, like, I didn't have huge breaks between my contractions. You don't have very mm. long, but he said that there no, were a couple yeah. times where I actually fell asleep for like 10 seconds. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I did? How, how is that possible? Yeah. You're just I know that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And that's like, that's common. That's not even like, what? That's crazy that you did that, you know, but it's like women can do that. It's yeah. like extraordinary measures. Yeah. Like you have to take extraordinary measures to get rest. And so, yeah. you know, they do that. And it's crazy to see what women can can do. It really is. It's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really surprised by myself that I was able to do it because I, mm. um, I don't know. I, I just don't think of myself as that strong or that capable a lot of times. Mm. Um, but, um, you know. I did it, I guess. <laughs> I yeah, don't really remember a whole lot it. of it. So yeah. my husband was super helpful too. You know, he was, um, you know, he didn't, you know, come in and do like lots of, you know, massaging or, you know, he didn't do mm-hmm. anything like over the top crazy and special, mm-hmm. you know, he was just there with me and, you know, held my hand the entire time and, mm-hmm. you know, just, 
um, you know, he just loved on me in the way that he does. And so that was, yeah. that was also hugely helpful. Um, just knowing that I wasn't there by myself. Um, I know yeah. it was really stressful for him too, because he can't handle seeing the people he loves in pain. Mm, um, yeah. and are in pain and yeah. I, I did not go quietly into labor. I was, <laughs> I will yeah. admit I, I did not suffer quietly. I was a, kind of a <laughs> loud pusher. So, <laughs> And, um, you know, so that was really hard on him, but he, you know, mm. he endured it and we, we had our laughs and yeah. uh, there was one point where they had me in a really weird position and, you know, you're, you're completely naked and, yeah. and you know, and you're completely pregnant, you know, and yeah. I turned to my husband, I was like, I said, babe, am I sexy? <laughs> and he's like you know it <laughs> it's like of course and we of course we know, all know that it was the least sexy thing possible in that moment <laughs> but you know there were like three other nurses in the room with us at that point we were all just laughing and then a contraction yeah. came and nobody was laughing but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, you exactly know, I feel like all of labor is those twists yeah. and turns it's a roller coaster yeah so it was mm. I mean I'm not going to say it was a party and that we should do this every Friday night or anything, but, um, it was, you know, it was, it was a good experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think seeing too, what you can, what you can experience, like the challenges that you can overcome, you know, and you come out of it and you're like, wow, I was really strong in doing that, you know? And so even, you know, your husband seeing you go through probably the most intense, experience of your life, you know, is able to see, wow, like you are so strong that you are able to get through that and that here you are on the other end, like just so much, like the, the, just that tran that transformation that you have is, is huge. Um, going from, you know, just going, becoming a mother. And that's so, uh, special for partners to be able to see, see their, you know, mamas go through that. So yeah, I mean, I hope it, I think it was a bonding experience for us, and I think yeah. we, you know, learned more about each other in that in mm -hmm. that time. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I, it's I won't sugarcoat it. You know, there were times in the middle of the labor where I was like, I would like this to end. I don't. Mm. I'm never doing this again. We're not having more children. Mm. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing this. And then you mm. know, and then that baby is out of you, and it's amazing how quickly all the pain stops. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, or at least for me, it did. Um, yeah. you know, and, um, I had some, you know, obviously, you know, they do some things to you afterwards that are not comfortable mm -hmm. that, you know, like I had some minor tearing and whatnot, but, um, mm -hmm. um, and then postpartum is just kind of its own little roller coaster. But, yeah. um, you know, once that baby's out of you, you're kind of like, Oh gosh, this is such yeah. a relief. And, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden that labor amnesia kicks in and now I'm sitting here thinking okay like you know we have more embryos stored and you know yeah. frozen like when are we doing the next you know yeah. um, what's the right timing <laughs> if we mm. want to have another baby so mm. uh, wow yeah so mm. and especially knowing that your second time you know second time mamas have labor a little shorter it's like oh, okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'll be nice <laughs> <laughs> definitely I love it well, going through that really trans that really transformative experience, how do you view yourself differently having gone through labor and birth than you saw yourself before experiencing that? Oh I guess I mean I, I struggle with self-pride, I think, in general, but I mean I think like okay, I'm 
I guess I'm stronger than I thought I was. You know, I mean, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I've already mentioned I was a a procrastinator. I'm kind of a quitter um, on a lot of Mm. things. Like when things get hard, sometimes I just like, I'd like rather quit than continue, Mm. you know, but labor, you don't get that option. Mm. Um, And so I think making it through and just having that resolve and knowing that this is something I have to see through to the end. um, It just really, I think. Like if I can do that, I can do that in a lot of other areas of my life. And mm. you know, it's kind of a silly lesson to be learning at this age, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, I just, I kind of feel, you know, everyone's birth story is their own birth story and there's mm-hmm. no judgment. I mean, um, if people have been induced and have had epidurals and that's, that's fine, you know, and yeah. maybe I would have had a better experience. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, my husband would have had a better experience, you know, cause he mm. wouldn't have been so stressed out seeing me in pain and we could have just relaxed more. I don't mm. know, but, um, yeah. you know, there's, there's no condemnation or judgment on how anybody's birth story or labor story goes. But, um, yeah, I do kind of just feel like, I don't know, like just really tough kind of like, mm. like I did this, you know, like, yeah. We're, where can I buy the t-shirt? You know, exactly. kind of, I mean, a couple of years ago, we did one of those tough mutter obstacle courses and, Mm -hmm. you know, I did the whole thing and that was so hard and Mm -hmm. I felt beat up and bruised and it took me like Mm -hmm. a week to recover, but I was really proud of myself for doing that. And I had my husband there to support me through it and, um, and push me along. But like, Mm -hmm even bigger than that. Um, like it just felt, you know, like I did it. I, yeah. I, I could. And it's something that you were, I'd wanted for so long. Yeah. You know, and at an age where like, I'm not always, my body isn't exactly, I'm not 22 anymore, you know, mm. which is when I thought I'd be starting my family, you know, mm. my body is starting to degrade in lots of different ways. Um, just cause that's what happens as you get older and, and yet mm. I did it. And so I guess I just, I feel that self pride a little bit that I was able to do this, um, yeah. the way I wanted to. Um, mm. yeah. And, and I think after wanting that, like you said, for so long and then midway through your pregnancy, feeling like that might not happen for you, you know, and then again at 39 weeks, maybe it's not going to happen. And then for it to finally happen and then have like your victory right in your arms is really special. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been great so far. So, yeah, um, but it was just one, it was just one day and now we've got this little guy for the rest Mm -hmm. of our lives um yeah and one day that you get to remember forever (laughs) (laughs) exactly and I just know that you know there's going to be harder days ahead of us trying just trying Mm. to raise child and right now we're in a sleepless phase and Mm. learning to breastfeed and all those things Mm. and um yeah it's all a journey it's all a journey it's all challenging and it's all going to be rewarding Mm. as well so Mm -hmm. yeah totally well there's you know, moms listening to this who are heading into their birth experience or, uh, you know, pregnant and coming across challenges, what's some advice or encouragement that you would like to leave with them? Oh, wow. Um, I guess, you know, just know that this is what your body 
is supposed to do. Um, mm. Your body really does know how to do it. Um, be an advocate for yourself. That was something I really, mm. I mean, I'm generally not an advocate for myself. I'm very conflict avoidant. And so even with my OB, mm. you know, I felt like I was in conflict with her all the time because of how she mm. wanted to do since she was telling me I was high risk for C-section and all these things. And mm just telling her, you know, no, I really want to be able to stand my ground and just be informed mm. about, um, you know, what does lead to, you know, medical interventions and then be an advocate mm. for yourself, but also really just stay flexible. Cause so I, you know, that was something that my husband helped me with more so than I did on my own was that no, like for myself, know when that point of no return is on the, on the um, epidural mm. so that, Mm-hmm. if I want it or need it, I'm not asking for it 10 minutes after it's too late. Um, yeah. you know, and so even though it was too late by the time we even got to the hospital, you know, um, it was just knowing those things up front and just being an advocate for yourself, knowing mm. those things and then just staying flexible. Um, mm. and I think we just kind of went in kind of trying to keep everything as low key as possible and mm. not trying to be like super high maintenance about, we didn't go in with really a birth plan. Um, I mean, and I, maybe I would have done that a little differently, but my, my birth plan going in was no intervention if possible and no epidural Mm -hmm. if possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think just stay flexible, um, Mm. stay humble and be really nice to your nurses. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They were amazing. (laughs) Yes, I know. Those nurses are amazing. Yeah. So definitely, um, they deserve all the love in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I kept apologizing. And they were, like, laughing at me, like, don't apologize. You're, you're yeah. the one who's in pain. I was like, yeah, but you're the one who's working. And you know, <laughs> your workspace, making your life, you know, stressful and chaotic. And Yeah, so. well, as a birth worker, I can <laughs> say, and I think I speak for all birth workers, including nurses, that we love being able to have you in that space and do whatever we can to make mm-hmm. any mama feel as comfortable as she can. So I'm yeah. sure your nurses felt the same way. <laughs> and they definitely did. They were doing everything they could. Um, and mm-hmm. I had such great nurses. So um, it was, it was, it was a great experience, but yeah, I mean, just, um, I don't know. I mean, everyone's experience is going to be so different and everyone probably needs to hear a little bit of different advice, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Just the whole, you know, be your advocate, um, mm. or at least have somebody with you who can be your advocate. Um, yeah. and then just be flexible to, and go with the flow. Mm. And when the nurses tell you roll over, roll over, <laughs> you know, <or laughs> yeah. say baby's heart rate is dropping, do this, you know, just do it, you know, yeah. um, just yeah. remember that you're there as a team and, um, and, uh, stay, I guess, stay humble about everything too. There's a lot of humility to be learned through labor. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's true. That is true. And some, even in that humbling experience, we come out and say, wow, that was amazing. And somehow I feel stronger yeah. even being like coming to that really humble place. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, 100% yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Eloise, for sharing your story with us. No problem. Um, your journey, I know it was it's a, it's a long one and everyone has their own journey and, you know, whether that's 
very few bumps in the road or feels like you're on a constant uphill battle. Um, I know that as moms, we can come alongside each other and support each other. And as women, we can do that. And so thank you for sharing your story because I know that that is going to be such an encouragement for women and moms who either have children now or who are pregnant with their first, wherever they are in that journey. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your life with us. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, thank you to, you know, I found your, your YouTube channel early on and <laughs> was, you know, basically watched ev- I think everything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, your, your videos carried me through and, uh, we're a great resource on some big topics and little topics all mm. along the way. So, um, Mm. really helpful um and i really appreciate all that you're doing as well for oh. us mamas out here thank you i, I love it <laughs> well always enjoy this newborn stage it is tiring it is challenging but it's wonderful and i know that you are loving the time that you get to spend with your little guy absolutely um, i definitely yeah, am. <laughs> and, yeah it's so special it goes by too quick <laughs> it does, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's already growing and I can tell and he's already starting to outgrow some of his little outfits and I'm I like, know, "Oh, it's no. like, no, stay small." <laughs> <laughs> totally, I get it. Mm, well, that. enjoy him. Go snuggle him and thank you again for sharing your story and have a good rest of the day, Eloise. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Mama, I hope you are feeling encouraged that despite the ups and downs of trying to conceive and being pregnant, there is so much joy and reward mixed in. I hope you have learned the value of creating a birth team that you trust and then trusting in your wisdom and ability to advocate for yourself with the knowledge that you are built to birth. And again, if you want more information on how to be informed on how to build your birth team and know how to trust your body and baby in pregnancy and birth, go to builttobirth.com in the show notes and subscribe to the email so that you know when the Built to Birth course is released. And thanks for subscribing, rating, and writing a review of the Built to Birth podcast. And thanks for being with me in this one, and I'll see you in the next one.